That's working. And that's put up. And this is gone. That's gone. Put on this hat and that hat. God bless you for being here this morning. Sometimes, you know, it's not easy to uh, to live the life that God has called us to live. And we had a really good Sunday school class and, and talked about some of those things that, you know, we as Christians, we, we just instinctively know some of it, you know, that we're to be faithful and to love God and to love souls and to love the Word of God and the people of God, the house of God. And, and uh, we struggle and we strive and we try to grow and stretch and learn. And no matter how hard we try, sometimes it just seems like our trying's not good enough and we, we still fail. Well, that's, that's because we still have an old nature living on the inside of us. We are still human beings. We still are flesh. We still are sinners. I say it all the time, believe it to be true, and I'll continue to say it till I die. All saints are sinners. Not all sinners are saints, but all of us, we fall short of the glory and honor of God. But last week, we talked about the second advent, the second coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We know that He came once a little over 2,000 years ago as the babe of Bethlehem. And He was born uh, there in that manger and He lived that 33-year sinless perfect life. The next two Sundays, we're going to be talking about that first advent. Last Sunday, we talked about the second advent. And what I want to talk to you about uh, this morning is when the Master returns. Of course, that again is talking about the second advent. But uh, it's going to take a little bit different twist on it this morning than we did last week. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. 32 through the uh, end of that chapter. The Lord had a whole lot to say in the beginning of this chapter. Mark chapter 13 and uh, verse 1 uh, where, where it starts out, the Lord is, is giving signs, 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 you know, signs, signs everywhere, signs, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. Isn't that a song? Uh, I don't remember who sang it. It seems like Arlo Guthrie or somebody. I'm not sure. But uh, certainly we have lots of signs that are going on in our lives, in our world right now. And it's pointing towards the end of the age, to the return of Christ, that He's going to be showing up and going to be showing up soon. And He went out. The Bible says in that verse 1, As He went out of the temple, one of the disciples saith unto Him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said, See uh, thou these great buildings, there shall not one be left upon another, that shall not be overthrown. And of course, the, uh, the religious but lost crowd of the day got a little upset about him talking about the temple being torn down and, and dismantled and one stone not left upon the other. But uh, we see not so much the religiosity of the Jewish faith and not even of the Jewish temple being torn down, but we, we look around the world today and we see Christianity itself 
being uh, dismantled. It's being dismantled by our government. It's being dismantled by our nation, by the people that are in our nation. We're not talking about just the government, but just the people that make up America, even the ones that don't make up America. They're here uh, on visas or passports or illegally or ever how they got here. And, and it seems like our government is pandering more to them than, than it is to those who know the Lord. And, and I uh, want to see the betterment, the strengthening of our nation, of our country. And uh, they're pandering to the ones who want to see its destruction. They want to see it absolutely torn apart. But we read in these verses, if you look at verse 32, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Only the Father knows when the Son is going to return. If you hear somebody talking about the return of the Lord the way that I am and gives you a specific time or date or place, then you need to run from that like your hair's on fire. And uh, if Bob and I hear it, we'll run like our clothes are on fire because we don't have any hair to be on fire. That's not funny. But uh, certainly it is something that the world seems to be enthralled with. Uh, you have so many David Koreshes of the past that wanted to claim to be the return of the Messiah, the return of Jesus Christ. And, and of course, the Bible says that that is going to take place with many signs and wonders. And uh, it goes on in verse 33, it says this, Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. So we've got to act and, and uh, live as though that could take place at any moment, any second. It's called the imminent return of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Imminent means, again, that it could happen at any second. There are no uh, prophecies in the Bible that are yet unfulfilled, that have to be fulfilled before the rapture can take place. The rapture is the next thing on the agenda. I say that all the time because it's true. And, and all of a sudden, we can be out of here in the twinkling of an eye. And we can, uh, you know, the dead in Christ shall rise, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up into the air, and so shall we meet the Lord and ever be with Him. But then will that man of sin be unveiled, and we know what's going to happen after that, three and a half years of tribulation, and then three and a half years of great tribulation. At the end of that, the battle of Armageddon and the uh, devil and his hordes will be loosed out of the bottomless pit. There will be that battle, and of course, God Himself, Jesus Christ, will destroy them with the word of His mouth. His tongue shall just speak the word and they'll all fall down like the soldiers did in the garden when they came to arrest Jesus. When He said, I am. I am that I am. I am He. And they all just fell backwards from the power of God's word. Well, God's going to destroy the enemy in the same fashion as He knocked those soldiers down. And then eternity is going to start. The heavens and the earth will melt with a fervor and a heat and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and eternity will start and then so shall we ever be with the Lord. But you look at verse 34 and it says this, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. Now, there are three major points here with a lot of subdivisions off of that. But three major points that I want us to notice. First of all, what he, the Son of Man, and actually 
the master of the house. Now, Jesus Christ is the master of the house. What is the house? The house of Judaism? Yes, he was the master of that house. When he came the first time, he lived as a Jew. He practiced, even though he is what Christianity is named after, he practiced Judaism. He went to the temple. He worshiped according to the Jewish religion. But after he gave up his life on the cross and he shed his blood and died and ascended back to heaven, the Jews were still continually being called to to repent and to accept Him as the Messiah. And they could have uh, done that and, and would have, had they done that, then, then that dispensation would have continued the kingdom of the Jews. But when they blasphemed God the Father, they blasphemed God the Son, and then they blasphemed the Holy Spirit by murdering Stephen. Of course, the Jews were cut off and the Gentiles were grafted in. And that is where the New Testament actually begins all of a sudden we're not under judaism we're not under old testament dispensation and the law but now we are under grace by the grace of the lord jesus christ who gave up heaven and put on flesh and became a man and he came a man to be the leader of this this religion that we follow after with hopefully all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our minds but the day came that he says I'm going to take a far journey. He's going to go into another land. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house. The master of the house has vacated the premises and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Now, the first point that I want to make out of the three that we're going to be looking at is first of all what he, the master of the house, has done. And it said in verse 34, all of those things. First of all, it says that he has taken a far journey. The journey, of course, is him shedding his blood and dying on the cross and ascending back to heaven. He's gone. He says, of course, we know the verse, if I go away, I will come again unto you, that where I am, there ye may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So Christ, the master of the house, has gone to prepare a place for us that we might have a place there for him. And then it goes on to say this, for the son of man is as a man taking a far journey, going to heaven, who left his house. Now, what is the house? That Jesus left. Of course, I mentioned the house of Judaism, the house of, of Israel, the people that were the heart of his heart. And the Bible even says these very words that they are the apple of his eye. And I believe that they still are. God's not through with the nation of Israel completely, although he has broke them off and grafted us in and he has shook the dust off of his feet concerning them for the time being. But he still got promises that He's going to come back and fulfill to the nation of Israel. But now He has grafted us in, and we as the age of the Gentiles, this is the age of the church, and the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus Christ Himself is the head of the church. But He says, I go and prepare a place for you, and He says, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence on the inside of us. That's not the second advent. That's not the second coming of Christ, even though it is the Spirit of Christ that comes to take up residence on the inside of us. 
Old things pass away. All things are new. And we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by that Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. But He has left His house. The house that Jesus built is the house of Christianity. But He's given authority to His servants. Look again at what it says. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, going to heaven, who left His house, the house of Christianity, and gave authority to His servants, who, of course, are His servants other than you and me. We have been sent by God. Go ye therefore into the highways and the byways, and to preach the gospel to every creature under heaven. God has given us an authority. Uh, what, what is the authority though? You see, we, we studied a little bit of that in Sunday school this morning. It's the Holy Spirit of God. If I don't have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of me, I have no power, no authority of God at all. It reminds me of the verse where it says that, that he, uh, he met them in the upper room to partake of the Lord's Supper on that last faithful night. And uh, he said, don't you dare leave this building without first being endued with power from on high. And that power and authority to them, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, all things made by Him, for Him, without Him was not anything made that was made in Him was life, and the life was the light of the world, and the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He came into His own, the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel received Him not, but to as many as received Him, to them gave He power. Now in some translations of the Bible, that word power is translated authority. And they are one and the same. We receive power from God. We receive authority from God by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross that He coming to take up residence on the inside of us, we dying to ourselves, get up and walk out the front door of this church, back door, front door of this church to go out into the highways and byways to share the love of Christ with a lost and dying world. So He took a journey and left. He left this house, but He left it in the hands of His servant who were indwelt by the power of of the Holy Spirit and given authority to preach the Word of God. Now you look again at that verse 34. It's chock full of stuff. It says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a, a far country or going into a far country who left his house, gave authority to his servants, and to every man he gave his work. He gave authority to his servants and he gave to every man his work. Work. Now, who is His? I don't believe that He's talking about just the vacated work of the Lord. I do believe that we take up the mantle where He dropped it at and we complete or we finish the work that He started here on earth. The Bible says, in greater works will you do than I did. Well, mm, that always made me wince. And the reason is, is because I know the power of the work that Jesus Christ did while He was on this earth. You're telling me that I'm going to do greater works than the Messiah Himself did? No, not in power. But because there's the Holy Spirit living in me, and in you, 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 then we do greater works because there are more of us to do the work. 
We don't do greater works in power and authority, but we do greater works in how many of them are getting done. One day, the Bible says that that man of sin is going to return, but he's not going to return until he which now leadeth is taken out of the way. And who is it that now leadeth other than the Holy Spirit living on the inside of the church, holding back the darkness, and when the rapture takes place, the Holy Spirit in the people of God are taken out of the way, and now darkness is unleashed in the world. We have been given a work to do. Every man, his work, your work is not my work. My work is not your work. We all have a different ministry. We all have a different calling. We all have a different, we're all spokes in the same wheel. But every spoke has its own weight to bear, its own load to bear, its own work to do. And certainly he has given every man his own work. Is every man doing His own work is the question, are we doing what God has ordained and anointed us to do, called us to do, commissioned us to do, given us the authority and the power for us to do? May I say that that if you do not do the work that God has called you and ordained you to do, is that work going to go undone? No. No, somebody will do it. God will take it up with somebody else. You walk by it, you look at the load, you look at the, the, the work, the labor that needs to be done, and you walk by it as though it weren't there, then God will have somebody come along and pick up that mantle and, and complete that work. It's not going to go undone. But it will go undone in your life for the rest of eternity. That is something that you will bear, you will remember. If you are a child of God and you are saved and God has commissioned you and given you a specific work to do and you are not about your father's business and living the life that God has called you specifically to do and you're allowing somebody else to take up your cross and to bear it and to do the work that God has called you to do, then you will bear that for the rest of eternity. You'll never forget that. I'm I'm sure the Bible says, well, there will be no more wailing, no more gnashing of teeth. There's not going to be any tears. There's not going to be any sorrow. But I don't believe that we're going to live for eternity knowing that we didn't do what God had called us to do and us not bear some responsibility for that. It goes on to say this, verse 34, you've already seen uh, four things that were there. First, the Son of Man uh, is as a Son of Man that took a far journey. Number two was who left his house. Number three, he gave authority to his servants. Number four, and to every man his work. And number five, he commanded the porter to watch. Now, who is the porter? Of course, we understand that the porter is the Holy Spirit. You know what the word porter means? He's the keeper of the door. You have men standing outside of these ritzy hotels that are doorkeepers. They're porters. And some porters come out and they'll pick up your luggage and they'll take it to the elevator and take you up to your room and bring your luggage to the... You know, he's a waiter. He's a servant of God. Well, God says that I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the porter. And that porter is going to watch what he's watching for. What is he watching for well, he's a keeper of the door. The door of what? The door of heaven? The door of salvation? The door of grace? The door of mercy? 
He opens the door. He illuminates the mind. He regenerates the soul. He draws people to Himself. He ushers them into the kingdom of God. And certainly we as the men and women of God that God has called as servants and given authority by the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit living in us is working in other... It's not that I'm working in other people's lives. But the Holy Spirit of God in us is working through us. In other people's lives to open doors. Well, some of them are doors of salvation. Some of them are just simply doors of of faith. Do you believe people can have faith to be saved and not have the faith that it takes to live the life that God has called us to live? Absolutely. We talked about some of that in Sunday school as well this morning. That we uh, we don't put forth the effort. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't study. We don't hide the Word of God in our heart that we might not sin against God the way that we should. And we fall short and we're stunted in our growth and in our maturity. So what has He, the keeper of the house, the master of the house, done? Well, He's gone. He left His house in our hands. He gave us authority uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us work to do until He returns. And by the way, He's coming back. He's coming back. And He's going to want to know what you've done with the talent. And I'm not talking about the dollar. You know, did you invest it? Did you multiply it? Did you get more back out of what He invested? Certainly what we're talking about is the talent that God has given us as far as the Holy Spirit of God, our testimony, our salvation. Those are things that we should be investing in other people's lives and living a life that they may bring, uh, be brought to Christ as well by the power of the Holy Spirit. So number one, what has He done? But number two is what He will do. Now listen, He's coming back. He's coming again. You look at verse 35. And you'll see that. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house, and there's the title of the message, when the master returns. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh. At night, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. But in verse 35, you see several different things. First of all, that He is indeed coming again. He left His house, but He only left it for a season. He's not left it forever. I know that it's been a couple of thousand years now. And there are people who mock where, you know, you, you talk about His coming. Where is, where is His coming? Where is the promise of His coming? Well, it says in that same verses that God is not slack, as some men com, uh, count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who is it that's coming to repentance? The elect, those He's chosen, those whom He foreknew. And He's not coming back one minute early. He is coming back. It's been 2,000 years. How long will it take for Him to get back? I don't know. But He's coming back. And He's coming. If He goes and prepares a place, I will come again and receive you. Who's you? The elect. His, his children. He's not coming back early because one of whom He foreknew may miss the boat. But as soon as that last one gets on the boat, He's going to show up. He's returning. He's coming back. For us, and verse 35 goes on to say this, not only is the Lord coming again, it says, watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at night, 
or at cock crowing or in the morning. Now that master of the house, you know what that word master means? It means Lord. That Jesus Christ is coming as the master of the house, as the Lord. And what is the definition of the word Lord? The word Lord means somebody that is in control. He is my Lord and Savior. A lot of people want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. They want, the, they want the power of God in their life to forgive their sins and to save them from hell, but they don't want the lordship or the kingship of Christ in their lives to rule how they live until He gets back. But I'm saying that He is coming again, and when He comes again, He's not coming back as the babe of Bethlehem, but He is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and He will rule and reign in this world. Now I know that he's going to come back. We're going to meet him in the air. That's the rapture. That's not the second coming of the Lord. But at the second coming of the Lord, at the end of the rap, at the end of the tribulation, when he puts his foot down on this earth again, he's going to rule and to reign for a thousand years as Lord in this place. Not in the lowly humiliation of his first coming as the babe of Bethlehem, but when he comes this time, he's going to come as king of kings and lord of lords, and he's coming to reward his faithful servants. You do realize that not only are there going to be those faithful servants that are here, but there are going to be those unfaithful servants. It's kind of like the ten virgins. Ten of them was waiting, had their wicks burning, their oils, lamps were filled with oil, and then all of a sudden the groom showed up in the middle of the night. The other five had fallen asleep, their wicks had burned out, their oil had been used up, and they were found lacking. They were found with nothing. And they were shaken away by the call. The Master has come. And the ten the five that had the oil in their lamps, they got up to go meet the, the groom. And the other ten were saying, give us, give us some of your oil. No, I don't think so. This is, this is mine. You had yours. You let yours burn out. You didn't use it wisely. You didn't do the work that God had called you to do when He called you to be a servant of the Lord. And by the way, there is a, a, there is a calling it's the general calling that goes out to every set of ears on the planet. Give your heart to Christ. Surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Don't, don't leave home without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you do, you'll regret it, not just for a day, but for eternity. And there are a lot of people who have been called to be servants of God Almighty. But just because the gall goes out from behind the pulpits and they reach the ears of the people, it takes the Holy Spirit of God to reach the heart, to illuminate, regenerate, and to draw, and to save. And there are, are people who have been called, but they allowed their calling to go unheeded. You look also at what it says in verse 35. It says, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when, you know not when the Master comes. Whether it's going to be in the evening or at midnight or in the morning or at the cock crowing, we just don't know. But I do know this, that it's going to be suddenly. And what I mean by suddenly doesn't mean that it's, it's going to happen you know, five minutes from now. Or it could, ten minutes from now, or a week from now, or a month from now, or a year from now. I, I don't know that. But when it starts, there's not going to be time to get ready. It's going to happen suddenly, and it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. 
And you're either going to be ready or you're not. There's not going to be any getting ready. So when He comes, He's going to come again. He's going to come as the Lord. He's going to come suddenly. And you know not what hour the Master cometh. Luke chapter 13 verse 25 through 28 put it this way. When once the Master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, and ye begin to stand outside or without the door, and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and He shall answer unto you. No, I know not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, But but Lord, we've eaten and we've drank in Your presence, and Thou hast taught us in our streets. But He shall say, I tell you, I know not whence you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, when the Master returns, what He has done and what He's going to do. But thirdly and lastly, I want you to know what the servants are expected to do. It's not a request that God gives us. It's a command. We, we are expected by God. I, I know that the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. And may I say that that appointment is not a request for us to show up on time. It, it's a commandment that we will show up on time. You're not going to be early. You're not going to be late. You're going to show up at the exact moment that God has marked down For you to show up and give an account of your lives. Well, when he gives his servants a mandate, not a request, but a commandment to keep his commandments, to live the life, to to share our testimony and the word of God. And we're going to be looking at some other things here that he has commanded us to do. But it's not, again, it's not a request that he has given us. You back up and we're going to look at verse 33. It says, take ye heed, watch, pray, for you know not when the time is come. So what are the servants expected, commanded by God to do? First of all, is to take heed. Verse 33 says, pay attention. You know, I think a lot of people are hearing with the physical ears hanging on the side of their head. Some of us have to adjust the squelch every once in a while to to pick up what's being said. I can't wait to get mine uh, hearing aids because my wife is tired of me not being able to understand what it is that she's saying to me. But sometimes it's not that I'm not understanding what I'm hear, hearing. I'm just really not paying attention. It's not that I can't hear. It's that we don't care. And when we're talking about what God says, not that I don't care what you say, darling. Don't you bring that back to me after. But what the preacher says from behind the pulpit, thus saith the Lord. And we have the Word of God and we should have it in our hearts. Not on tables of stone or on tablets of paper, but on, on hearts of flesh. That by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ, when we surrendered our lives to Him and He came to take up residence on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit of God that breathed the Word through the apostles onto the pages also breathes that Word of God into our hearts. And we know it. We know what God expects from us. Sometimes what we do is we say, well, eh, 
I read the Word of God a little differently than you do. My interpretation, and boy, that drives me crazy when people say, well, that's your interpretation. I've got my interpretation, they've got their interpretation, and everybody has their own interpretation of the Word of God, so whose who's is right? Listen, I wouldn't give you five cents for your interpretation of the Word of God. I'm not interested in my interpretation of the Word of God. What I'm interested in is the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And it is only the Holy Spirit that will shed abroad in our hearts what the truth is. But when we start wrestling with the Word of God and making excuses for why we don't have to obey what we know the Word of God commands, then we've already lost fellowship. We may not have ever actually had relationship even. But at the very least, we have lost fellowship with the Lord by resisting the leadership of His Word in our hearts and in our lives. We're not really paying attention. The Bible says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Now we're not talking about the ears hanging on the side of your head. We're talking about the spiritual ears hanging on your heart. And when the Holy Spirit of God reaches into our heart and illuminates our minds and speaks to us what the Word of God says, and we clearly see it, we clearly understand. I'm not asking you what you don't understand about the Word of God and why you're not keeping the things you don't know. What I'm asking is why are you not keeping the things that you do know? And making excuses for why it's okay. Well, what he expects his servants to do is first of all to take heed. You look again at verse 33. And it says take heed. Oh, and watch. Watch. That's the same thing he told the Holy Spirit, the porter, to do. To watch. To take heed to what the Word of God says. And then to watch. To watch what? To watch the world. To watch the world around us, those without the church, to watch the world around us within the church. And certainly we as Christians should know our enemies as well as our advocates, our friends. And we should watch with a purpose. We should watch for opportunities to be used by God in the lost world's lives, yes, that we might share the gospel with the lost and dying world. God has given us a testimony. You say, well, I don't know enough scriptures. I don't know enough of the gospel. I don't know enough of the things of the word of God. Well, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because God has not requested, but commanded us to preach the gospel and not to use words if necessary. Words are necessary, for he chose by the foolishness of preaching that some might be saved. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Certainly you are. Every time you go out into the world and you speak a word on behalf of Christ, you are preaching the word of God. We should use our testimony. What is it that God has done in our hearts, in our homes, in our families, in lives. We are to watch. And that means just to be wakeful. To be aware. You know, we're living in a woke society. I hate that word. I hate that terminology. I hate what it is that the world is saying. Well, you've got to be woke. You just don't know what woke is. You need to know the hurting of the people. There are people out there suffering because of their skin color. And they're, they're held down. They're deprived. They're held back because of your white privilege. Man, I want to absolutely scream when I hear that. There is not a 
right that America has that one person has more rights than the next person based upon race, creed, or color. Or... I'm sorry? Gender. Men don't have more rights than women. Women don't have more rights than men. By the way, we are endued with inalienable rights in America. You know what inalienable means? That nobody can take it away from you because nobody gave it to you. They are inalienable because they come from God, not from man. And God gave all of us the same amount of rights. Well, we are to take heed. We are to watch. Watch for souls. Watching and waiting for the return of the Lord. I believe that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. says that we are supposed to be watching and waiting for the Lord to return. And then in verse 33, it also says this. Take heed. One, watch. Two, and pray. Oh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to pray? Really? More than my now I lay me down to sleep prayers at night? Isn't that enough? I mean, I pray to Him in the morning when I wake up. I say, thank You, Lord, for not killing me in my sleep for the sins that I committed yesterday. I know that I deserve Your wrath and Your judgment. I know I deserve death and hell. I know I deserve separation from God for an eternity. And Lord, I thank You for not killing me in my sleep for the things that I didn't do yesterday that I should have done and for the things that I did do yesterday that I shouldn't have done. And then I live my life for myself all through the middle of the day. And at night when I lay down at sleep, I lay my head on my pillow and I ask Him to, to forgive me if I've, I've sinned any sins against Him today. And those are the two prayers and conversations that I have with God every day of my life. My friend, we are malnutrition. We are starving to death for fellowship with God. The Word of God, the people of God, the will of God, the way of God. We're not submitting and surrendering our lives to His Lordship, not even in prayer. The example of our Lord while He was in this world is a perfect example of the purpose, the plan, the will, the way of God for us. The way that Christ lived His life. And my friend, listen, you you do a study on the prayer life of Jesus Christ and you'll find out just how short we are falling. But what He expects His servants to do is to take heed, to watch, and to pray. And then lastly, you look at that same verse and we'll go into verse 34 again. Verse 33 says, Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is is as a man taking a far journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, And to every man, His work, His work, His work. We are to take heed. We are to watch. We are to pray. And yes, we are to labor. We are to work. Work the work while it's still called today. And that you have the opportunity to do the labor that God has called us to do. Well, you know, I'm I'm not a preacher. I'm not a professional Christian. My work is welding or ditch digging or sewing or whatever it is that God has called me uh, to do as a vocation in this life. That is my work, you see. This is not 
my work. This is your work, preacher. You're supposed to be doing all of these things. I'm supposed to just come and to enjoy the preaching of the gospel and to say my prayers and to give my tithes. And, and uh, well, some of those things are true. But to think that you are not supposed to be a professional Christian is not true. We are all called as our number one vocation in this life to live a life for the glory and honor of God by keeping the commandments and doing the work. What does the Bible say in James? Be ye doers of the work of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And sometimes I think that we are so woke to the things of the flesh and so woke to the things of the world that we are unwoke to the things of the Spirit and the things of holiness and godliness that He has given us to do. He gave to every man His work, watching and praying, uh, will really fit us, straddle us right when we are submissive. To that. When we rebel and we wrestle, we struggle, we fight against what it is that the Lord has commanded and called us to do. Well, that's not my job. That's your job. That's somebody else. That's got to be somebody else. It's not my job. And if you're not willing to do it, of course, somebody else will be. God will find the person to do the work that He has ordained to be done. But my friend, you will regret for eternity not having done what it is that God has called you and commissioned you to do. Let us be about our Father's business. Isn't that what Jesus said at 12 years old when Mary and Joseph came back looking for Him when they left Him in Jerusalem at the feast of the Passover? They had left Him and they got in their you know, suburban and drove a two days journey, three days journey out into the desert. Well, they drove a day's journey. They came back. It took them two days to find Him. And He was right where they left Him. In the, in the temple, arguing with the lawyers and the scribes of the day, the religious but lost crowd. And they come in and they find him there and they look at him and Mary says, Son, why hast thou caused us to seek thee sorrowing? He says, Why were you sorrowing, Ma? Don't you know I must needs be about my father's business? My friend, every one of us should imitate that truth. I, I have no choice. It's not optional. I know Eddie Meester built the daycare for us. 2011 boxes of stuff left over out of the building. I said, what's all that stuff? He says, that's optional. (laughs) I don't know whether it was or not. I'm not a builder. I don't know about metal buildings. But, But I am a fisher of men and I am a builder of the kingdom of God. And I do know that the things that God has commanded us to do, they're not optional. We must needs be about our Father's business while it is still called today because He's coming. He's coming again, the second advent. We don't know when it's going to be. And I don't want to be embarrassed when He shows up. Do you? Do you want to be found doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing? Do you want to be found not doing Something that you know you should be doing when he comes back. I've been caught in embarrassing situations before. I hate that feeling. But it's going to pale in comparison to the feeling that 
takes place in our hearts and our minds when Jesus shows up and he's the one who catches us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you that we are looking forward for when you, the master of the house, returns. Help us as servants, bond servants, do lois. Help us to be about your business until you return. And we'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.